Hi, our second guest on the uh, choo-choo train of guests on the show today, Evan Austin is the editor of Alberta Views magazine, and we've got here hot off the press, the paper's still warm, uh, the March issue of Alberta Views magazine, New Perspectives for Engaged Citizens, and uh, Evan joins us from Calgary this morning. Good morning, Evan. The uh, heat of the paper. <laughs> yes, nice and melty off the press. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it comes in like a an Uber Eats bag. You know, they got to keep it warm for you. You pay extra for that, but it's worth it, right? Yeah. The pages just flip themselves almost. Um, well, this is a a, a great issue, and uh, as as you may have heard, we were just speaking with. Uh, Ewan Thompson on on his feature story on what's wrong with he- rehab. I mean that was um, is a big centerpiece of of this issue, and and you wrote about it um, in the opening remarks of this issue with uh, when faith kills. Um, how how do you see all this kind of wrapping together in this issue? Oh. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really grateful to Ewan uh, for just for the advocacy he does around um, harm reduction, and 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 I'm I'm grateful that he was willing to do this uh, to take a look at the rehab model for us, uh, and specifically, we were trying to, to to think about what has not really been written about a lot, or what has not really been covered so much, and the question we kept coming back to is. Um, this this rehab model that the current government is uh, is so enamored with, and I'm not saying there's not a role for rehab as well, but th- this model that they're enamored with and they're and they're very dismissive of harm reduction. Uh, what is the evidence that it even works? And it, it turned out there isn't really uh, a whole lot of evidence, or if there is, um, you know, it's uh, it's not being made available to the public. So, um, you know, Ewan looked into this and and he asked these rehab providers you know what are you required to tell the government and it turns out that not a whole lot and some pretty key information that you you know i'm sure you guys talked about this but for example how many people maintain sobriety after leaving these facilities at three months at six months how many even stay alive and so um you might ask well these are the kind of things that would just be pretty basic requirements from the government. You know, we're not just going to give you hundreds of millions of dollars unless you can kind of show us uh, that what you're doing actually works. Um, but I, I don't know. I try not to get too personal in, in these uh, in these profiles of ministers, but I found the Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, this new guy, pretty hard to take seriously, pretty hard to, uh, you know, kind of give the benefit of the doubt to. Um you know, he comes in, he's brand new. Okay, so this is a guy, I don't know how old he is. He's not that old. He comes into the job. His experience as a politician is that he drove Jason Kenney around in the, in the big blue truck. I mean, he was an assistant to Jason Kenney in Ottawa. And he was an assistant in the in Jason Kenney's sort of rise to power in Alberta. This is a good uh, this is a good tie into the Jeremy Appel Kennyism interview coming up okay. at nine fifteen. Um, and I mean, <laughs> you know, that's 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 fine. He's his experiences as a sort of a young um Partisan, I suppose. Um, if I were made Minister of Mental Health in Alberta today, I mean, I don't know anything about this stuff. I'm not an expert at all. But the first thing I would do is I would find who are the experts who have been studying, uh, you know, drug policy, harm reduction, rehab, uh, the opioids crisis. Who's been studying this for their entire lives? Who's got 30, 40, you know, years of experience? Um, 
And I would ask them, you know, for their, their best ideas. And I would sort of have the humility to say, look, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, this guy's maybe in his twenties or thirties and has no experience whatsoever in any of these fields. Um, this is, this is pretty important. Like literally thousands of people are dying every year in Alberta. And over the last, I don't know, decade, I want to say like 10,000 people. It just, it's an, it's a crisis. It's an epidemic. Um, and we have a guy who comes in and he immediately dismisses experts as, you know, what do they say? Uh, talking heads and, uh, Oh, uh, uh, social justice warriors. I think the the quote was in here. I mean, I I will correct you that. I think he does have some experience. He did chug a beer in the legislature, uh, yeah. most recently. Yeah. If you want people to give you the benefit of the doubt, maybe don't go on Twitter calling everyone who disagrees with you like a complete moron. Don't go into the into the legislature and then, you know, proudly boast about how you're chugging a beer. And I mean, this is this is a guy who doesn't seem to take his job seriously, doesn't seem to take the responsibility he's got very seriously. So it's it's hard not to look at this man and not be angry and uh so yeah, I, I don't I don't love um, I don't love coming down this hard on 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 someone, but I feel in his case it's justified, and I'm I I'm I think that this government has a record now. They've got five years now of overseeing mental health, of overseeing addictions, of overseeing the opioids crisis. And I mean, if you just look at the data, even if I liked them, even if I supported what they're doing, if you just look at the data, the death count is rising every year, and they are not, um, you know, trying. Uh, they're not saying, "Well, okay, let's let's try different things." They're saying, "We know what works, and we're going to go double down on that, triple down on that." And they're meanwhile they're closing the things that the evidence points to, the harm reduction services. They're literally closing them down, and death the death count is rising. You just think at some point, do you not even just look at your own evidence and and question what you're doing? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty dark. Uh, pretty dark place we've found ourselves in Alberta and it's being overseen by a guy who doesn't, in fairness, doesn't really seem to know what he's doing and isn't interested in talking to experts. Mm. Well, it's uh, certainly uh, an important read and an informative read and it was uh, great to to chat with you in there. Uh, Also in this issue, I I noticed the dialogue, uh, you know, not too far off these uh, different recovery businesses and stuff. We have the the question, which I guess I've never really heard debated um, mm-hmm. maybe ever, is is should charitable donations be tax deductible? Should you get money back for giving to a, a charity on, on your taxes? Um, yeah. Tell us about this issue and, and, and who you selected and chose to, to debate the, the two sides. So Tracy Smith Carrier, who is a prof at Royal Roads out on the island, is arguing that no, uh, charitable donations should not be tax deductible. Uh, and Justin Smith, who's a prof out at Wilfrid Laurier, is arguing that yes, charitable donations should be tax deductible. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't call myself an expert on this, but I did find this very interesting, and I did think it it raised a lot of questions. Uh, not just the sort of the the the, op- the the sort of main questions. It seems like one question, but it's maybe many. I mean, should we be giving people an incentive to? donate to charity as a society because there is a cost to us in in the foregone tax revenue right and that's been calculated and it's it's not an insignificant amount it's many billions of dollars a year that we do not collect in taxes because we're giving that back to people because that was the incentive for them to donate um to charity so you know as a society is that something that we 
uh, should do. And that's a, it's a financial question as much as it's an ethical question. Um, but then the next question that came up in this is, does that actually incentivize people to donate to charity? And that's, I, I feel a little unresolved on this. I think they both uh, presented evidence that kind of seemed to contradict each other a little bit. But um, but yeah, does that actually incentivize? Tracy Smith Carrier was citing research that says the motivation people have, the more powerful motivation people have is altruism. They want to do something good. They want to do what they think is the right thing. They want to support a good cause. When you tell them you need to be incentivized to do that, it actually has a negative effect on their interest, their willingness to give. Um, so is that actually an effective uh, policy, you know, to to incentivize people? Does it actually give, If assuming this is a good thing in the first place, does it actually incentivize people to give more or does it, do these um, actually incentivize people to give less? And then the third question, and probably the most important one, and I think that's one that Tracy Smith Carrier did get into a little bit, and 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 Justin maybe didn't uh, didn't go there uh, at least in this dialogue. But that is the question of you know, uh, should we even be encouraging the charitable model in the first place? Are these not are there not services that would be uh, better funded through government, better funded collectively by all of us, uh, rather than saying okay, well we're going to leave it to you know Peter. It feels uh, out of the kindness of the heart that he's going to donate money, you know, to cancer research or whatever else. Is that not something that is all of our responsibility to do? And we shouldn't just be saying, well, let's leave that to let's, you know, the rest of us will save money. And then those kind hearted people or well-meaning people who who want to can donate. But but isn't it not all of our responsibility to address these problems? And does charity not put that uh, responsibility onto the individual and take the responsibility off of all of us, and that's a, that's to my mind that's the more interesting question, well, uh, or even the question of uh, of that distribution. Sorry to cut you off. Of, of no, no. Um, the the choices maybe be being driven by marketing campaigns or whoever has the most fun, um, mm-hmm. like race to recovery thing uh, exercise where you get to go on a long bike ride or a long run and and solicit donations from your friends and family and coworkers and things. Uh, as opposed to having a more high-level view of where the funding needs to go in society. And, uh, you know, in talking about this, um, this made me remember a 2014 uh, piece in Alberta Views magazine, The Problem with Charity by founder Jackie Flanagan, uh, that I was just able to Google here. And it, okay. it, it did bring up many of these questions. Um, for instance... Um, like are, are charities, um, are they alleviating the symptoms? Or are they actually addressing the the root causes of of social problems? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a really good discussion, and I'm glad to see it um, coming up again. Yeah, and thank you for yeah pointing out there is that piece available in our archives by Jackie about charity. I mean, it's such a sacred cow in our society. Charity, like nobody says a negative thing about charity to give. To charity is just understood to be a good thing. To to be a charity, to do charitable activity is is just unquestionably seen as a good thing. But there are the few uh, people who pop their heads up occasionally and and take a good critical look at that and and really call all of that into question. And I mean, you brought up just one thing: just the inefficiency of the charity model. I mean, let's say somebody has a really good marketing campaign. Uh, this particular charity, and so they get lots of money. Some other charity, they may actually be 
addressing a more important cause, but their marketing campaign isn't as good, so they get less money than the other one. So it's and meanwhile, how much money is going in is being spent on that marketing campaign? You know, that's money that could be going to cancer research that's instead going to advertising and marketing to try and get donations for cancer research. Meanwhile, maybe there's seven or ten different charities addressing the same cause. And so that's seven different CEOs and seven different boards and seven different staff and seven different buildings. And there's a lot of duplication and inefficiency in the charity model. So it's definitely worth um, looking at more critically. Well, I, I certainly can sleep better at night knowing that the outcome of these issues hinges on marketing bros, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to yeah. talk about the uh, – the museums guide in here. So um, All right. there are a whole lot of museums, I understand, in Alberta, and you've put together uh, a really fantastic sort of uh, roadmap and overview of, of what they've they've got going on. Can you talk a little bit about um, this uh, section of the magazine this month? Yeah, well, you know, longtime readers will know that almost every month we have a guide that looks at some aspect of our culture. And so, yeah, it's museums in this month. And so we have, I don't know, 10 pages of museum listings. And, you know, we've been doing this a while. So every year I read about some of the same museums and go, oh, yeah, I've got to get out to that one. Or, oh, that one sounds, uh, you know, like a place that I've been you know, hoping to get to for a while. But, but, and then every year there's something, there's a new one that kind of jumps out at me. And this year, Mm-hmm. I have to say there's this one, I think it's in Pinoca, it's called the Fort Austell Museum. We have a little picture next to it, and it's a it's a museum with artifacts from the care, it's for, for mental hospitals, essentially. It's artifacts of, of the care mm-hmm. of people with mental illnesses uh, from an era that was, shall we say, not particularly enlightened, maybe. So we just have a picture of something called a transorbital lobotomy mallet. Uh, which I don't know what that is. And uh, I think it would be interesting, uh, horrifying to find out. Um, it, it is also the suggestion, and, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't write this, I just uh, proofed it, but that hmm. uh, these sort of collections are not common, that you're not going to find a lot of collections of uh, you know, uh, medical uh, artifacts from the care of people with mental health issues uh, from the, maybe the 50s or the 30s. I'm not sure. But anyway, I just think it could be a little bit like a, a little shop of horrors, this museum and uh, in uh, Fort Oscar. If you ever get they, out there, I'll let you know. Gopher Museum still open? They still go for any? I believe so. We do try to, I mean, we have to we have to make a cutoff because if we didn't, there'd be, you know, 500 museums. So we went with accredited museums. Mm. Museums mm-hmm. belong to this uh this organization and have certain minimum standards. And I don't think <laughs> like not that. minimum height standards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that Torrington Gopher Hole Museum is accredited or meets these minimum standards. We have, we have mentioned it in previous years, but I think yep. we had to draw the line at some point And we just decided to go with accredited museums that reach a certain kind of standard. Okay. Uh, last one. I'll throw you here at you here. Uh, what the heck is going on in Chestermere? Uh, I I couldn't tell you. It's uh, so yeah. We profile a riding in every issue, and that's the one we looked at this month is Chestermere Strathmore, uh, just east of Calgary. And yeah, the UCP government has removed a number of members of council, uh, which is I don't know if it's unprecedented, maybe not unprecedented, but it's certainly unusual, rare. And so yeah, Tadzio Richards, our associate editor, went out there and spoke to some people and did a little bit of poking around and. That's what he's he's written about is uh, the kind of internal governance 
battles, I guess, within that writing. Uh, I, I certainly couldn't summarize it. It's, uh, Is it it's maybe a provincially run Alberta's strange. first provincially run municipality. Well, I don't know if it's the first. It's certainly, <laughs> certainly unusual what's going on out there. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think the story's done yet either. So, Okay, well this this might be the baseline <laughs> for when when things took a, a turn that we we reflect or we go back to 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 see where it all began at one point. Um, yeah, I, I I do I would say too this writing has been interesting just from a kind of conservative civil war standpoint. I don't know how much of that or if any of that uh, spilled over into this, but uh, this has been a place where. Yeah, conservatives at the provincial level have been really at each other's throats. Um, I don't know if you remember Leela here, the former MLA for this area, but um, and some of her own run-ins with her own party. But yeah, this is a place that maybe not a lot of people give a lot of thought to politically, but it's been uh, pretty contentious over the last little while. Yeah, it's uh, it's maybe worth a drive to Chestermere one of these days. Just to see the political... Uh, controversies yeah just to take a cruise around um well thanks so much Any, anything else you want to touch on actually before before we go out uh, i think we, we covered a lot and this is a really great issue and uh, i'm looking forward to reading the rest of it i have nothing further to add mm. well well actually i did mention i did see there's a there's a whole list of book reviews and i think um you know just coming out of the back pages the final uh, finishing off uh, Kennyism, Jeremy Appel, who will be speaking with the author of that uh, new book uh, at nine fifteen. Um, there's definitely a lot of books that caught my eye here that um, that I think are worth looking into. So, I, uh, anyone uh, looking for a new material, definitely grab this month's issue of Alberta View magazine. You know, since you gave me the chance, I will make a quick plug for the mm. crossword. Because uh, <laughs> it's our second one. We've been, we started it with 2024, and this is our, our second one. And the theme this time is people who are from Alberta that you might not know are from Alberta. And I shouldn't say too much more without, uh, you know, at the risk of uh, perhaps giving away some of the answers. But people you may not realize are from Alberta. Wow. Um, I don't see any spaces here long enough for Nickelback. Uh, unfortunately, it. they are known to be from Alberta. That's some <laughs> well, oh, I'm, no, I'm no good at this already. They don't qualify. Uh, great to have you on the show, Evan. And um, I can't wait to read the rest of this magazine. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll be in touch again soon. I, I hope so. Thanks, Peter. Once again, I've been chatting with Evan Austin editor of Alberta Views magazine. You can uh, reach out and grab the latest issue, the March issue, hitting newsstands now. And if you don't subscribe, you can head online to albertaviews.ca and uh, get these coming straight to your door, hot off the press. Keep it locked. We've got another great hour and uh, more guests coming up on the Palgrey Almanac. My people down with sandpaper They're building malls and t-